This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm Kim Grenolds of Dogman.com with Chris Fetter, Scott Eklund, and Josh Wadka. We snagged him from being manager of the baseball team. Was it was it colder out at Husky Stadium or out of the baseball field? Josh? Oh, baseball field this weekend for sure. Rain, rainy day Friday, but pretty nice on Sunday. But good, good, good as always to get a sweep. Hey, okay. just real quick, Josh, the freshman at UW, doing some stuff for us, uh, also managing the baseball team. Uh, so now you're what six months into school, roughly. Yeah, something like that. Tell, tell people all the alumni what it's like being a freshman at UW these days. What you, and you're majoring in finance? Uh, yeah, trying to do business finance. And then, jeez, uh, being at UW is hard. It's just time management is what I've really had to learn this these past six months. So just trying to learn how to better schedule myself every day. And the best pitcher on the baseball team? Kiefer Lord, oh, sitting, yeah. sitting 97, six perfect innings this past weekend. So Cause I, his, wasn't his first pitch down in California like 99? Yes. Could you get me in the batting cage with him? <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> That's all I got to say. You should, could, you should start swinging now. Could I make contact? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> he'll, get, he'll throw you a 1-1 slider after you're sit, sitting 97, and you'll just look like a fool. So. Well, I don't need the slider to make, <laughs> to make that happen. But it's good to, good to have you back a little bit. Yes, thanks, guys. Good so, to be back. All right. And then... Uh, you know, day one, spring football 2023, again, it's kind of a little bit of an unusual schedule where we have practice today, Wednesday, Friday, and then what, about a three-week gap, two-and-a-half-week gap? Three weeks, yeah. Yeah, and then we start back up in, uh, pretty much through the first three yeah. weeks of April, but uh, day one inside, kind of foggy, misty outside, walking into the stadium, but... Uh, I think, you know, the thing that just jumps out real quick is towards the end of practice. Looks like we had a, I don't know how severe it was, but it looks like Maurice Himes down and medics and neck braces and boards and EMTs all out on the field for yeah. Maurice Himes. Yeah, I uh, didn't see what happened. My guess is uh, he was going for something and collided with somebody because they they did have him on a backboard and things like that. So, um Looked like a lot of extra precautions because everything looked out. You know, he was moving all of his limbs and everything. But you know, they got to be super careful, especially in spring ball. I mean, you just you have to be so careful with him. So um, a lot of people attending to him, players coming over and praying for him, and you know, saying, "Hey, man, you're gonna be okay," kind of thing like that. But kind of a somber way to end things. I remember, yeah. um, what was it in? Uh, was it in fall camp that MJ or Ulmu Ale? 
got hurt. Yeah, and then and that. then we had a couple weeks where we didn't know if he was even going to play. I mean, from the look of it, it did not look like he was even going to play again. And then he ended up yeah. playing a couple weeks later, and and so everything was good. So you know, just kind of a somber way to end a, a what was was what was a pretty lively first practice. Yeah, no, it was things were really humming up to that point. Um, a couple things I would say is it, it's just it's doubly difficult because it's day one and they're not in full pads. So the one thing that they always stress, every coach will tell you this 100% is you've got to stay up. you got to stay upright. you got to stay on your feet. Anytime those guys can stumble, now all of a sudden you've got knees to the head. You've got other helmets that could go to the head. Um, you know, again, you know, they're taking every precaution in the book as they should. So this could all end up being, you know, one of those things where it, 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 um, it really looked like ten times worse than it really was. Um, but you just never know. It, there's just so much unknown. All you know is that a, a back brace is coming out, and they're bringing, you know, they're bringing the EMTs in, and they're taking every precaution in the book. So uh, we all obviously hope that Maurice is fine and that he'll be able to come back and be 100% and everything else. But right now, it's just so much unknown. Yeah, first impressions from day one. I think the key. I think everybody would agree is just the speed of the drills. I'm not talking about physical speed. It's just how fast the drills were going. There was no downtime whatsoever where a year ago guys didn't know where to go. They weren't familiar with the drills, but these drills were going pretty fast and furious all day, Scott. Yeah, they were absolutely were. Um, you know, the the players went through them fast. The older players were bringing the younger players along. I I mentioned it in my write-up. That'll be up here in a little bit, but the the coaches basically said, "We're a veteran team." we're going to start off probably six or seven steps ahead of where we were last year. And it's up to the young guys to catch up to the older guys and the guys who've been here longer. So, um, you know, even though uh, Raylan Goforth and uh, Daniel Nagata and and, uh, Jabbar Muhammad and a lot of those guys, Zach Durfee, Josh Cuevas, those guys have all been on campus, all the uh, incoming freshmen, uh, Anthony James, Diesel Gordon, Zach Henning, all the couple linebackers and all that. Even though they've been on campus, they haven't run through drills through a practice like this before. And so um, the older players are the ones, hey, we need to get over to this drill, and this is how you run it. And, and um, they do one run through real quick with the, with the first guy, and then the rest of the guys are expected to pick it up right away. And if the young guys don't get it right away, the, young, the older guys pull them aside and, and do it. So um, a, lot of, a lot of instruction going on from the coaches, but also from the players as well. Here is a perfect example of what you're talking about, Scott, in terms of the younger guys getting a real dose mm-hmm. of what it's going to be like in practice. They were running some, some uh, routes between the running backs and the linebackers, and Devin Bryant was late or, or maybe you know, mistimed something or didn't anticipate something, and William Inge got all over him. I mean, all over him, and brought him up and showed him the points. and Didn't berate him, but was just like, what are you doing? This, this is not what we taught you. This is how it works. And so that's a. It was a great example early on of the freshman learning very quickly. This is not. This is, you're not in high school ball anymore. Yeah, and I, I like I said, I was just you know impressed so much because a year ago, again, you know they just didn't know where to line up and didn't know where to run. But it was real crisp out there today, mm-hmm. Scott. Yeah, it was. It was very crisp. They got a lot of work in, and uh, what was it about two forty-five or I'm sorry, two fifteen. Two twenty, yeah, something, something like that. that. I don't know if the if minutes. the I don't know if the work on because what happened with Maurice Himes is that it, they had to take basically half the field away. Yeah, because he got hurt on the one part of the field, so they basically had to run the rest of practice away from him. 
Um, but so I don't know if that extended practice a little bit. But yeah, it was about it was supposed to be two fifteen, I think, to begin with. So it may have been a touch longer than that. The one thing I would add in terms of just from just initial impressions, the first thing, and I and I brought this up with Scott, and he was like, I don't think I've seen that either before. The entire offensive staff were wearing headphones. They were wearing their communications gear. Now, I didn't notice any of them have the headset down, mm-hmm. so I don't know if they were even talking. They may have just been listening to, to what was going on. But just the fact that they were getting comfortable with that communication piece and they were doing all the things that they would normally be doing on the sideline, I, again, Brian Grubb. I mean, that's just the re- one, another reason why this guy was so coveted by so many people. I think they were listening to the network-wide Zoom call I was on. There you go. Yeah. There you go. But, no, I just thought, you know, I just see all these guys with the headsets, and I'm like, this is day one. Day one, they're not even in full pads. You guys are basically in underwear. What are you doing? Mm. And yet these guys are out there rolling around. Again, the, the tempo was crisp, but these guys were wearing headsets, and they had all the communication stuff. They had all the book of all the things mm. that they, they the signal science. in. The, the quarterbacks, even though there was only four quarterbacks there today. The, the two backup quarterbacks were right there doing their things because from what I saw, you know, not to get too involved, but Penix and Morris were the only guys that took reps today in terms of the team period. So, yeah. Josh, how's was uh, first day of football practice compared to what goes on out of the baseball stadium? <laughs> just, it's just different, man. I would, say, I would say just my first impressions from today was just the, the real intensity. I saw it there, from, uh, at least from the players and just – for the brief portion I was there, it just seemed like everything, everyone was just going full speed, crisp. And you could really tell everything was detail-oriented, and there was intention behind everything. I mean, I also personally just loved the competition I saw out there, just from the offense and defensive end. You could tell those guys were really competing with one another, just trying to get better, and t- talking, talking a little crap, but that's, all, that's always good to see as well. It, to me, it looked... I mean, it, if I was to describe this, it just looked more like a veteran team. Exactly. This, yeah. It's this in a young team. This is a veteran team with a lot of guys returning. Yeah, I can't remember the last the last practice, spring practice, where you know Penix comes up and it's the first drill, and everyone's like, "Yeah," because you know before yeah. it could have been it could have been Heward, it could have been Morris, it could have been Hainer, O'Brien, or, yeah. it could have been Hainer, it could have been anybody. It's been Eason, it hasn't yeah. been that way in, since Browning left, and and yeah. that was kind of the way it felt. It felt like. You know, the guys in the, on the offensive side of the ball specifically, the veterans were there. They were taking charge. And it, it just kind of, okay, here we go. This is what we do. Well, let's dive into the offense because it looked like, you know, the, the ones are – it doesn't look like there's going to be a lot of competition for spots. I mean, it just looks etched in stone, you know, with uh, the offensive line that we expected to see, the quarterback we expected to see, Cam Davis with the number one running back, and then the wide receivers. Well, I there. wouldn't say that the offensive line was what we expected to see. I, I expected to see Garen Hatchett out there, but it was Julius Bulow and Nate Kaleppo at the guards. Yeah. And the melee at the center, which that was definitely what we expected. But and I expected to see Nate Kleppo at left guard, not at right guard. So yeah, yeah. I think the idea of, of Scott Huff trying to find his five best guys is going to be very very difficult by the end of this thing. Because again, Garen Hatchett, I think, is going to be making moves. Um, this this idea of cross training the inside guys because they lost all three of their inside guys. I saw Bulo and Kleppo taking reps at both guard spots. Um, I saw uh, Miles Morale take reps at, at center and guard. I saw Garen Hatchett take reps at center and guard. Uh, the only two guys that I saw were dedicated centers today were uh, Matteo Mele and Parker Burlesford. Everybody else who, who took snaps was also playing guard. And then, um, you know, they even had guys like uh, R.J. Wersch, Robert Wersch, 
he played left tackle with the twos. Yeah. But when they wanted to do the threes, because they don't have all their guys here, they don't have all the freshmen and all the other bodies, he actually moved inside. So they're playing him just as a left-sided guy right now. Yeah, when I saw Robert Wersch out there at left tackle with the, with the twos, um, if they needed a – uh, somebody to go in for Fautana. Do you think Robert Worsh is the guy, or does no. Colepo or Bulo uh, move in over there? Uh, I think Rosengarten moves in over there. And, really? That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. See, my reasoning, my reasoning would be well Bulo with the left-handed quarterback. Yeah. My reasoning would be Bulo. My reasoning be the reason why I think Bulo was playing left guard to start today was because in, in an emergency he, they would just slide him out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also, I think Kalepa would get some some well, and, run there and, as well. And with your left-handed quarterback, you want your you know a good guy on that that right oh, side. Oh, for sure. Point awesome. being, I don't think Robert Worsh is the number two left tackle. No. Well, but now that's the, now the biggest question is you mentioned that you flip it, so now Rosengarten is on his blind side. So who would be the backup for Rosengarten? Would they see? This is where I think it would be Kalepa. Uh huh. Because the Kalepa was the right guard today. They would just slide him out right side. Yeah. I I honestly I have no idea. But, right but at least at this point, they do have guys that have some experience playing tackle that are playing inside now, much like Kirkland last year. They have guys that can slide in and out. I think that's why they're getting a guy like Wersch getting reps at both left guard and left tackle because they want him to be that left-sided guy that can play uh, positionally on that side. Because as, as we talked about with DeBoer on Friday, he said the two ways of doing it are you can either have your tackles play either left or right tackle and have them be the position guys on the edges – or you have them slide on either the left or right sides. Mm-hmm. So you either make them right-sided players or left-sided players. Landon Hatchett was here, too, and he's gonna, going to be a center at some point. Yep. Is he not enrolled yet? He is not enrolled. He will be uh, end of this month. So, so will he be able to participate yes. next month? Anybody who is enrolled at the end of this month will be here. You know, he wasn't the only guy, Kev. It's just real quick, but looking at Landon Hatchett, you, know, you don't think he's that big, but Man, he's barrel chested. Yeah, he is. He is, and he was. What was funny was watching him shadow the guys. He was taking reps. So Miles Murrell was do, working on his snaps, and Landon Hatchet was doing the footwork yeah. along with him. He wasn't practicing. He wasn't dressed out or anything. Because, but he was kind of shadowing what he the movements. And I noticed too, even when they had a spare minute or two between drills, I saw Ryan Grubb talking to him. Uh huh. So I think even Grubb understands, hey, you know, we're, we're trying to get as many guys with snapping capabilities mm-hmm. full on ready to go. So, you know, we're talking about all these new guys, Kim, who are kind of hitting the ground running right now. A guy like Landon Hatchett, I think they feel like he needs to be a guy that hits the ground running right at the beginning of, of April. Hatchett looks like 6'2", 6'3". 6'2". Yeah, maybe 285, 290. Somewhere in there. I mean, he's not huge he's not 320 or anything like that the, the problem with him is if you look at his body and his frame he might be maxed out from a size standpoint i mean he can might probably get stronger and add a little more muscle lose some baby fat but i mean from a from a size standpoint i don't know if he can get much bigger and he, and, yeah. and retain his I was gonna his say, his does he flexibility well if you want to be able to handle 320 330 pound defensive tackles that are going to be right over your face you know, some of it's technique, but a lot of that's just brute strength and being bigger. Well, how big was Luciano? Uh, he's about three hundred. Was right, he right that big? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, like six. He got there, but he was when six he came, four too. So. When he came to UW, Luciano was only about two seventy five. Yeah, 280. he, he grew into it over time. One thing is, and I don't know if it's human nature with you guys, but it's human nature with me. First day of spring, I always look at the new guys to see. Just I don't I don't really necessarily worry about because we see the body types. 
we see the heights and weights that come mm. out. So we see the guys that have gained or lost 20 pounds mm. or whatever. So I know fans are really curious about that. But I'm always curious about the new guys. I want to see what those freshmen look like. Henning's a dude. Zachary yeah. Henning is a dude. But you look at him on the sideline, yeah, he's got freshman arms. Yeah. So if you, if you take him, but then you give him Landon Hatchett's arms, yeah. he, that's how you well, expect he's going to be in a lot well, of it's like Well, it's like I've been saying is Zachary Henning's a guy you lock away in the, the yeah. weight room for a couple of years. He's going to be a dude. In a couple of years, he's going to look really yeah, good. I mean, he's the lowest rated guy in the class, but I think I, his upside is huge. By the way, you mentioned freshman arms and our freshman just does the Homer Simpson going into the. Into the shrubs back over yeah. here. Zach doesn't have freshman arms. It's arm show. It's gun show. Gun show. It's gun show over here to my right. Well, I'll, I'll tell you what. You watch Anthony James. I mean, you can see the tools that yeah. he has to work with. But I mean, he has no. He has no uh, arms. Yeah. I mean, it's it, it's just that's yeah. just the same for any freshman. But the two guys on the offense, the new guys, it's jumped out at me. Number one. Jeremy Bernard does not look like uh, no. A we've young always guy. known we've always known Jeremy Bernard was a dude. We even knew he was a dude when he came to Washington the first yeah. time. But the other guy who kind of jumped out to me was uh, Daniel Nada. Mm-hmm. Um, he's uh, a long waisted guy. He's not tall, and then he's long waisted with shorter legs. And that's one of the things I don't think people understood about Marshawn Lynch was how long waisted he was and how short his legs were, and that's where he got his power. But boy, I'll tell you, Daniel Nada. Lower body is really put together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's he's built. He kind of reminds me a little bit of what Aaron Dumas looks like, but Dumas is a little thicker. Upper body, thicker. But a little thicker, but he but he's got not a clearly has a little bit more wiggle in his because he's also a return guy. Um, one of the things that I mentioned in the special teams preview was that I thought guys like Nada, um, God, who are uh, some of the other. I think Tayshawn Lyons is going to be in the fall. They'll probably take a look at him as a return guy. Uh, Tybo Rogers, I think, could be. And uh, Nada definitely was with the return guys when they first came out, as Leroy well as Bryant. Jeremy, Leroy Bryant is another one. That as well as Jeremy Bernard yeah. was, um, and Cam Davis, um, and then also uh, Devon Banks was out there as well. Yeah, I know you didn't get much of a chance to be there early, Josh, but did any of those new guys on the offensive side of the ball jump out at you or kind of go, wow? Uh, I can't. I can't say anyone in particular, especially new, but one, one offensive player that did kind of stick out to me that made a couple of nice catches was Denzel Boston mm-hmm. in, his, in his session. Granted, he was going up against the second, third team defense, but just made a couple of nice plays, a couple of deep ball connections. So I, I really look for him especially to be a guy that kind of finds his new role within the system this year, although he is behind guys like Rome and Jalen and stuff. What is he, about 6'4"? Uh, six three, six four. He's got a huge catch radius, though, because he's got long arms. Yeah. In addition, we saw, we had a chance to see him last year, and I remember him coming around on a sweep and just annihilating a guy. Mm-hmm. He doesn't mind yeah. getting physical. Not at all. Is he the most physical receiver they have? No, no. I I, I think that's probably probably Rome. Probably it? Rome. Yeah. Rome's probably the most physical. I think Jeremy Bernard's going to definitely vie for that as well. He's a physical It's interesting, guy. though, when you, when, you, when you look at a guy like Boston, it was funny because you, you bring in all those, those, those guys like Penix and Morris and all the firepower and everything all those guys did last year. What did it take them? Maybe in well over an hour, hour 15 mm-hmm. minutes before they even hit something over mm-hmm. 15 yards? And it wasn't like they weren't trying, <laughs> yeah. but that first splash play of the entire spring was Dylan Morris to Denzel Boston. Bomb over the top, yeah. 80 yards, boom. Granted, it was yeah, a walk-on that again, he was faced off against. I but. guarantee Washington fans are going to sit there going, these guys should just be spanking the defense, considering mm-hmm. what the secondary was like and all that. 
but it took a while there, there for was, it to hit. You know, and we'll get to this when we talk defense, but there was some miscommunication in that secondary, too. I saw a few times where the guys were looking at each other like, what were you yeah. doing on that play or whatever? Yeah. You know, one of the things I think they're going to miss, and we, we won't get a full idea until we see him with a little bit more contact, but with Wayne Telepapa, you know, you, you think he was the best pass protection running back that has been here since Chris, that was me. Since, since Chris Polk. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, right now it looks like Cam Davis was with the ones. I didn't see much of Richard Newton out there. No. No, there was a ton of guys that I believe were doing a lot of conditioning out on the side. And they were kind of – because Wash, they were in – Wash U was in the Dempsey Indoor today. There were some guys outside I think that were doing some conditioning, whether it was bikes and ropes and some of the stuff that they'll do with Coach McKeever off the side. And I think he was one of those guys – um, I think there was a number of defensive players like Thule and Fatui Tuatele, um, some of those guys too. So I think there are some guys that they're easing in. Uh, Kalen DeBoer said Vincent Unley for sure would be one guy they'd be easing in. Mm-hmm. He was in that group as well. So offensively, they definitely had a couple guys that they were missing, and Newton was one of those guys. But I will say, um, when I'm looking at new guys' first impression on the offensive side, Tybo Rogers is bigger than I thought he was going to be. And that's what I said in my uh, yes workout work warm-up was that I just Yeah, I mean, he is impressed. he looks like he's about as tall as Sam Adams, mm-hmm. um, which is interesting to me because I don't think he was ever listed no. in more than like 5'11". Nope. And I think Sam's at least six foot. He looks taller. He looks bigger. The one guy I didn't think that was as big, but, boy, he flashes his athleticism, and he's kind of as advertised running around. Josh Cuevas, mm-hmm. he's not 6'5", 250. He's 6'4", 235 maybe. Um, looks similar to – Soft hands. Yeah, but he runs around. He looks good. He's not as big as Quentin Moore. Does it look uh, – I know it's early, but it sure to me looks like the guy that they trust at running back right now is Cam Davis. Yes, yes, yes that's definitely the case. 100%. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Will Nixon got he a bunch of runs there, today yeah. in there as well. And then uh, Daniel Nada and, and Tybo Rogers got some run in there too. Um, Sam Adams. Sam, Sam Adams, Adams got some run in there too. But there's no doubt it's it's the Cam Davis show right now. No doubt. And that's why it'll be interesting when the transfer from Mississippi State, Dylan Johnson, shows up to yep. see how, you know, uh, if he can break into the depth or if he winds up being Aaron Dumas. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. I, I don't think that's going to be the case with him. I'm yeah. going to go out on a limb and say I think he's going to get some carries this yeah. year compared to Aaron Dumas. Yeah, I think Aaron Dumas redshirted last year. Have we got confirmation well, on that? Well, I don't think – I didn't see Aaron – I saw Aaron Dumas do a lot in terms of the like the – Positional stuff and the individual drills, but I didn't see him do anything in team drills today. Yeah, uh, also four quarterbacks today and one uh, walk-on in street clothes. So you had uh, Morris and uh, Panics, but who were the other two guys out there? Uh, Tyson Lang and then uh, Purcell, uh, whatever is Teddy, Teddy Purcell from uh, California. Yeah. Tyson Lang's from uh, Glacier Peak. So. Uh, but those guys have been on campus for two year, two but, full years. But the now. guy that, that uh, I think even Grubb was talking about, Stiegler, I didn't see I, him. I don't, I don't, I don't remember ever hearing yeah. him talk about I Stiegler. So, yeah. I mean, someone said he did, yeah. but I never remember seeing that. Yeah. But the one they've talked about is Alex Johnson, and he was on the sidelines because he won't be here until the end of the month. Big dude, right? by the way. Yeah, he's tall. Good mm-hmm. Yeah, good size guy. Tall. He's about the same in the punter, Saul, yeah. Adam Saul. He won't be here until end of March too. Yeah, and he was, and he's about that tall. Too. Yeah, the one, the one I kind of expected to see, but didn't. And it, he had told me that he's going to try and make it down to a couple, one or two of the early practices. It's Caleb Presley, 
since he was a local kid, I thought he might have showed up. I don't know if I want to talk about this live, but did we get a confirmation? Was that Elenius Davis? No, it was not. Okay. Nope. Yeah. When I saw the, pun, the uh, punter that's going to be walking on, I thought he was a skateboarder. Yeah. <laughs> Looks kind of like it. <laughs> he's a skateboarder, He's dude. from California, right? Southern California? Yeah. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Kickers. He might have a deck. Yeah, kickers are a little bit different. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Uh, over on the defensive side of the ball, though, one guy that kind of flashed to me, I don't know. We all see different stuff from different angles, but the guy who kind of ran by me, I go, okay, that guy's fast. J- uh, Raylan, go forth. Yeah, yeah, he's impressive, man. So he was running with the twos today. So the starting, the one linebackers were Ulafosio and Tupatala. The number twos were uh, Bruner and Goforth. Um, I think you're going to see them liberally move those guys around, rotate them, and, and all that stuff. Um, Demario King and uh, Fowler were the two, the third, the two guys. It's really good to team. see Demario King running around. Yeah. And I also saw uh, Fowler had a fantastic rep. Again, I kind of mentioned that running backs versus linebackers mm-hmm. in the pass drills. Um, they, Sam Adams went deep on Fowler, and you're thinking, oh, that's a pure mm-hmm. mismatch. Fowler came back, even though he was a little bit behind. As soon as as soon as Adams caught the ball in the end zone, smacked it right away. Uh, Josh, how long did it take for you to figure out who number four and number five on defense were? <laughs> quite quite a few minutes. Uh, these number changes and all these new guys, man. I got. I'm just constantly looking at my roster, just making sure I know who everyone out there is, and just seeing things are. ZTF uh, rocking the number four yeah. and. Um, and uh, Eddie Ulafosio uh, wearing number five. So just uh, I just kind of caught Eddie off to the side, and I asked him about the number change because I asked him if he had to ask Alex Cook for permission for that or pay him. He said Alex has got to pay him. He already but, graduated. Yeah. But he, what was funny was he said that when he first got here as a walk-on that they gave him – you don't get your choice of numbers no. when you're a walk-on. They just gave him number 48. And he says, really? Number 48? So he said he was bound to determine he was just going to rock number 48 and make it the best ever. But five was always his most mm-hmm. popular number. Um, and he mentioned uh, Michael Jackson yep. wearing that. Well, so. his, the guy, the guy, one of the reasons he wanted to go to UW was because of Miles Bryant, right. who wore number five. Um, although he didn't wear number five, to my knowledge, he didn't wear number five his first year here. I think he was like 21 in the 20s somewhere. But whatever he was, He's he ended up forty something now with yeah, the Patriots. Forty one, <laughs> yeah. forty one. But um, he was number five, and he said he was a walk on. I'm a walk on. I wanted to always wear number five, and and then he said, and then he said, um, and then last year I wasn't playing, and so Alex took number five, and so um, he said I just kind of rolled with it, and and then he said, but you know one of my one of the guys that I love here at the University of Washington was Michael Jackson. He was one of my heroes, and and. Um, 
you know, he got to meet him at the Hall of Fame. Uh, was the it Star, Pacific, one of the Pacific Northwest? Yeah. Whatever Seattle it was. Sports. The yeah. one they like just that. had where yeah. uh, DeBoer won the coach of the year. But did he win it for being a Seahawk guy or for a Husky? Because I think they did it because he played his professional career with the Seahawks. So uh, Just for being a stud. Um, yeah. <laughs> so um, I still remember him punching that bench. But anyway, um, the uh, – you know, so he said, you know, there's so many fives all around that when I got the chance to wear number five, that's what I wanted to do. Yeah. So no, it's a, it's interesting, too, because, again, first impressions, it's a little tough when you see guys line up in team. And the very first team you see on the defensive line, it's it's Ulamula Ale and uh, Jacob Bandis. Mm-hmm. You're thinking, well, where's Thule? Where's where's Twitzele? And then you see him kind of roll in, and they've been doing probably conditioning or something yeah. like that. So. You know, again, first day, you're not going to see finished products just rolling out there, just, you know, playing guys. And, like, you know, we saw before Maurice Himes went down, we saw a lot of him with, with Savelle Smalls. Um, you know, didn't see – I didn't think I saw as much of ZTF and Trice as I w- maybe would have expected just because I was really focused more on the offense. And I saw a ton, obviously, of reps with Penix and with Morris and with Cam Davis and especially the three – starting receivers when you're talking about Rome and you're talking about Jalen McMillan, you're talking about Jalen Polk. I mean, all that stuff seems so formed with, with Culp and Westover at your tight ends. Um, saw a lot more guys were kind of rolling in and, and, and maybe different position groups because, you know, I was joking with Scott. You know, we were talking about Raylan Goforth playing at the number two linebacker thinking – He's probably like, wait a second, I left USC because I wasn't able to break into the ones. Why am I sitting here now at the twos on the very, very first day of practice at spring at Washington? But I think the, I think the competition's going to be really tough because I don't see Tupatala giving up his uh, role anytime soon. I definitely don't think Ulafoshio is going to do it. So it's, that, that, that battle's going to be pretty fierce, I think, all the way through fall. One of the surprises to me out there was the amount of reps that Javion Banks had with the with the ones. Uh, Green. Green. Javion Green. Green, excuse me. Um, Javion Green got a lot of reps with the ones. Uh, Jabbar Muhammad, I think, is going to be probably etched in stone out there at mm-hmm. some point. But, uh, you know, he didn't get as many reps today, but I think that's going to change down the road. Yeah, well, uh, so Jabbar Muhammad was out there with the ones for every time I saw him out there. Um, he was just on the other side of the field, so I didn't notice him as much. Yeah. And then, um, and he's not the biggest guy in the world so maybe that's why you didn't see him either but um green was was matched up on romo dunsey almost all day long and rome was taking him to town a few times they're taking him to school but um thaddeus green or thaddeus dixon i thought looked really good um he was running with the twos the second uh i I saw um uh jackson uh elijah jackson getting a lot of reps with the ones and twos he was kind of going in between as well so um, you know, part of it is we talk about Scott Huff trying to find his first five. Well, it's Morell and uh, Julius Brown trying to find their best five yeah. that they can put out there. And so I think you're going to see a lot of different combos run out there. Right now, I think Green is kind of in there until um, until he proves he can't handle it. But that well, Thaddeus Dixon is it looks like a dude. And talking to Chuck Morell after practice today, the two the two youngsters that he talked about, the guys that he feels can really take. Big steps forward. Javion Green was the first one, and we saw that because he took a ton of reps. The other guy he mentioned was Tristan Dunn. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, because the bottom line is when we're talking about this idea of cross-training positions, mm-hmm. whether it's the offensive line or the defensive backfield, there's going to be a lot of guys playing a lot of different positions. You know, you're looking at, at uh, you know, we're talking about uh, Mish Powell playing potentially five different positions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he could, in theory. Yeah. 
Um, he played three, like Julius Irvin, I think, played three or four last year. Yeah. And he's not around, so they need that Swiss Army guy. And I think Mish Powell could be that Swiss Army type guy. Well, talk a little bit about because I think that's what people are uh, kind of wondering about. Asa Turner, obviously, um, entrenched as one of the safety spots. But then the Husky spot with Dom Hampton, Mish Powell. What's going on with Dom and Mish Powell? Well, the- right now, I talked to Dom Hampton after. You talked to Mish, Mish right? Yeah. yeah. So I talked to Dom Hampton after practice. And Josh talked to Mish, Mish Powell. But um, Dom Hampton basically said, I'm running with the – I'm a safety and he said the coaches kind of came to me and said, hey, you know, we think this will fit you best. And he, he said, I fully agree. I think my skill set is much more suited to safety now. Um, he's, I mean, he's bigger than, than Demario King, yeah. I'm pretty sure. So, I mean, he's bigger than some linebackers are. And so um, you just look at him and the way he runs and stuff, it's, it's always a better fit. It's all, I've always thought it was a better fit for him to play safety. It's a little too stiff to play corner. I think he just – in one-on-one isn't going to be good for him. And, and maybe in, in um, cover two where he's where he's playing off man and things like that, maybe that's a little bit better for him. But the, the kind of system they're running, it's either going to be husky or, uh, or safety, and I think safety is probably a better fit. And he told me that's where he's going to be lining up and then Mish Powell – is is was over at Husky for most of what I saw. Maybe today. you can say maybe you can see that uh you know based on what your two deeps would have been based on what you saw today but it feels like Turner Hampton at the ones probably mm-hmm. a Steen and Dunn at the twos. Yeah, yeah, that that's probably a good good guess on that right there. Um Vince Nunley I think when he finally yeah. gets back in playing shape and things like that cuz he he was just doing work on the side. He wasn't doing any team reps or anything like that what that I'm, I saw. What I'm curious about with Nunley is kind of the same thing I am with Fabi because I think they like Fabi Kalana at the nickel, but, you know, I mean, they, he could play safety. He obviously was there before. I'm wondering if Nunley, if they see any position versatility with Nunley. I don't know. Hard to say. I think when you have a knee injury, they're just going to have him concentrate on one thing and, and then worry about the rest later. But yeah. coming off of a knee But, Josh, when, they, when you talked to Powell, did he talk at all about the position versatility and what he's been asked to do? Um, he didn't talk much about, like, one specific area. He just talked a lot about how he's accepted, and they've really talked to him about, like, his need to be versatile. And he felt like that kind of really matches his skill set and, like, the way he views the football field as well. Right. He, considered himself, he considers himself a very smart intuitive football player, which, as I've seen on film, I have nothing to deny that by any means. So he's fully accepted the role, he said, and he's just excited to get out there and just contribute in any way he can. Yeah, one thing I would say about Powell, first off, is anytime you can be a walk-on player or earn a scholarship, you're a smart guy. Mm -hmm. I mean, you've you've earned it because you've you've figured it out. And so there's there's no doubt that he's smart enough to play whatever position he needs to. Like I said, I I just get the sense that he's going to be the Swiss Army Knife guy. Him and and maybe to a lesser extent a guy like um, you know Cam Fab or whatever, but they're they're going to have to come up with two or three of them. And um, I'll I'll post the story with with Chuck Morrell a little bit later. But he talked a little bit about kind of doing that and how that's really affected them because you know how's that going to work in recruiting for them? Well, when they recruited guys like Thaddeus Dixon and Jabbar Muhammad to come to Washington. It wasn't for position versatility. <laughs> Those guys are going to be their island corners, and that, there was no doubt about that in talking to Morrell. 
Yeah, what's the other thing when taking a look at the defense? We talked about this, uh, you know, looking at the offensive side of the ball, what a veteran uh, unit that is. And when we take a look over at the defensive side of the ball, that's a veteran group over there as well. And, you know, with all the injuries they had last year, specifically in the secondary, a lot of guys got the chance to play. You know, where you're talking about Elijah Jackson, who was hurt quite a bit, but he looks like a veteran out there. Uh, go forth, the transfer in from USC looks like a veteran. You've got Bruner and Eddie Ulafosio, ZT. You've got so many veterans out there, but there's not one position, I don't think, on the offense and defense where you have a concern because of youth. Mm -hmm. They didn't um, graduate a lot of guys. Yeah. I think um, – well, yeah. is, that, is that the same as depth? Because that's what I'm – you know, they've, well, they've, got, they've got bodies, and they've yeah. got guys that have been in the program, but do they have quality depth? And that's yeah. really what they're, and they're I think, aiming for. I think that's probably the better question is, right. is do they have – because – yeah, a lot of guys got experience in the secondary, but um, I was talking with somebody about this on the sideline as we were watching practice. There was 25 missed tackles in that Oregon game. Yeah. They, I mean, how many missed tackles did they have? I watched the Apple Cup just recently. They had a bunch of missed tackles there too. Yeah. So it, it's just you watch them and you're just like, okay, these guys got experience, but they were missing tackles. Now, was that because they were thinking too much because it was a new system? And think I did see a lot more of uh, quick decision-making on guys in practice today where there was a run play to the right and they all flowed to it really quickly. And that wasn't something necessarily we saw last year. And maybe we'll see more of that this year, but we need to see more of that in order to, for this defense to take that next step. I have a very specific person in mind when I'm thinking about all this stuff and it's Voight Tanufi. Mm -hmm. And we talked to Voight. I don't know. I did. You talked to Voight. Yep. Okay, Not so, the greatest quote in the world. Let me no, just tell you that. Uh, yeah. But, but it, <laughs> when he's less than 250 pounds, yet he's still listed as a defensive lineman, obviously Washington fans, all the Washington fans on our board are like, mm -hmm. when's he going to get moved to edge? Because it just seems like a fit. I'm wondering if this is a guy, because he wasn't he was a uh -huh. starter, mm -hmm. but boy, he played a ton last year, and he was super effective. He, he, if I remember right, he's the one who had the sack on the final drive against Texas. In the in the Alamo Bowl that, yeah. that helped them and, and against and Arizona also, and I think in that Oregon was he was one. he was a big part of the the you know when they went small mm -hmm. when they took all the defensive line he was their defensive lineman in yeah. their in their in their pass package when they when mm -hmm. they wanted to just go quick it was ZTF it was uh, Martin Trice. it was Trice it was Smalls and and, mm -hmm. and Voy was in that mix what I'm wondering is is if they're going to try cross train him. To not just be that guy in third down, but also maybe even be an edge during rundowns. So, so basically, I talked to him about, you know, the are you going to be versatile? Are you going to move yeah. around? And he said basically the coaches laid out for him. So he did not lose weight intentionally. Right. He just worked out, did the nutrition that they laid out for him, and he just naturally went to the weight that he went to. Yeah. There was no plan to do that. Um, and then he said, um, he basically said, I, I asked him, I said, so does this mean you're going to be playing edge at some time and D-line? Because he was working out with the defensive line today. Yep. And, and he goes, yeah, he goes, they're going to move me all over. He said, I could play every position on, in the front five, really. He called it, I think he called it the front five because when they go jumbo, they, they do two five techs or whatever. <laughs> but he said, I could play over the nose. I could play edge. I could play on the strong side. I could play on the weak side said it really doesn't matter to me and he said they're going to move me all over the place and try and get me the best matchup it's conceivable he's wearing a, he's wearing a new number too 52 yeah, yeah. like
Yeah, like yeah. Ja- well, Jamora before because he, he wore ninety. It's hard to wear ninety when you come to the University of Washington. It, it, it is, is, but now and, and who's going to do it? Yeah, Elenius Davis. Elenius well, the, Davis. And the thing that jumps out about he's not that big. He just isn't. No, when they were lining up for warmups in the morning, and you could see, and you, and they were, and they had their backs to us. They had, you know, you had Thule, you had MJ Ale, you had Tuatele, uh, you had Bandis, you had even the Parker twins were out there, and they just. They just dwarf boy right now. They literally, I mean, they're 50 pounds heavier than that guy. But yet, you know, from what you're saying, Scott, it makes total sense. You could see him playing all the way out even to like a seven or nine tech on first and second down. And then all of a sudden when they, you know, if it's third and 15, all of a sudden he becomes your nose. Mm -hmm. You know, because they they did that a ton last year. He's the defensive version of uh, McKenna Aikahara? No. No. McKenna (laughs) Aikahara didn't. No, he didn't play that much. He didn't play. McKenna, because McKenna was I remember he, he did start a couple times. I remember he played, he did start against Cal, and that was when they, he was going up against a guy that ended up in the NFL as a, yeah. as a, as a nose, yeah. who was like 320, and he was like 250. Yeah. All right. So, but, but yeah, I mean, the thing about Boy is he's never, I, I don't see him ever earning a starting spot at the University of Washington, but he's going to be a key backup guy for them who can come in. And, and Situational play guy. different different things for that. Yeah. All right, let's wrap this up, guys. Final thoughts, Chris Fetters? Yeah, just a great day. Uh, a Paul at the end, obviously with the with the injury to Maurice. Hopefully he's fine. Hopefully they'll just roll and 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 he'll be back soon. Uh, but overall, just um, was impressed with how quickly they did hit the ground running. I mean, Kalen DeBoer did talk about it on Friday, and the fact that part of the part of the reason why they wanted to start this early is because they felt like they were so far ahead from where they were this time last year that they just felt like getting out on the field was the right thing to do right now. And uh, you can see ample reason why that was the case. Um, a lot of good things happened. And then obviously you could see a lot of teaching points. Um, was surprised at how much special teams I actually saw this today a little bit more than I would have thought. Um, no actual live stuff, no actual kicking or anything like that. But it was good to see some of those guys. At least you got a sense of who some of the returners could be, uh, like for kick return, for instance. So all in all, a real productive day, and, and we're certainly going to have a, a lot more to talk about And uh, when we break down some of these interviews uh, that we had after practice. Uh, Scott Eklund, wrap it up. Uh, just echo a lot of what Chris said. Um, it, I thought it was a great first day. Uh, kind of fun to see the coaches out there. I mean, Jamarcus Shepard, it looks like he's in mid, mid-season form. Just yeah, him and Inge were, yeah, were, were, we're going at guys. Talk, yeah. talk a little bit. Yeah, um, but I mean, for the most part, it was just fun to get back out there and, and you know, one one comment that Coach DeBoer made to me and uh, someone else on the sideline was he goes, he goes, we had to give you guys something else to write, you know. He goes, we didn't want you talking about expansion too much, you know, and stuff like that. So he was just kind of joking with us, but he was like, it's just nice to be back out here. He goes, we we last played a game in at the end of December. And he goes, we haven't done real football stuff other than just the off-season work. He goes, we haven't done football stuff in two mu- in over two months. Yeah. So for us to get back out and do it this early, he goes, he goes, I know it seems weird, but he said, I we last summer we talked about t- doing this, starting it this early, and he says it's because we don't want these guys to go that long without doing football movements and football football drills and things like that. And this way, you don't have to do that now. Josh Wadka. Um, I would just say from the from the little bit I saw, I just like the intensity out there. It looked like a lot of guys were out flying around, ready to play. Yeah, and it's just kind of what these two guys just said. It's just good to see football back and a lot of high expectations for this team. So it's good to see people out there just 
playing football. Yeah, one thing I didn't mention on the offensive side of the ball, um, number 87 out there, uh, Ryan Otten at tight end. Uh, he looked like his brother out there. Uh, he saw him make a really nice catch. So, uh, you know, with the yeah. death of his mom last year, which was kind of tragic, Ugh. you know, it was just brutal. Um, you know, but it was good to see Ryan out there because he had to take some time off at the end of last year, uh, his redshirt year. So really good to mm -hmm. see him. A practice again was inside in the Dempsey, which made it. They actually had the heat on in there, which made it nice and toasty because it was cold outside. It Scott's was. already shaking his head. It was too hot. It but, was, no, it wasn't too hot. It wasn't too hot. But I wore four layers. Yeah. You know, <laughs> just in case it was outside. Yeah. Because I always get cold. Especially my fingers get super cold, but uh, no. And um, by the way, we we need to mention there was one recruit on on hand. His name was Zachary Giuliano. He's a Gialliano, I think is his name. He's a tight end from uh, Corona Del Mar, which is the same high school that Mark Redman, uh, Mark Redman, and the quarterback um, Garbers Garbers came from. So. Um, He's a 2025 kid, so they aren't actively, re you know, like, super actively recruiting him. But they asked him to come up, and I think he's on his winter break maybe or something like that. Also, one more quick note, Kim, right before we end. Scott noticed it. No former players out. Yeah. That's First practice. Yeah. yeah. I thought it's, that was interesting. Didn't see anybody, yeah. Maybe they're just not – maybe they're not used to coming out. Well, <laughs> well, well, well the two, <laughs> you know, the two linemen, they worked out yesterday, so they yeah. probably are – you know, and a lot of them are still getting ready for the for the draft. Yeah. Also, Courtney Morgan there. You know, uh, had a player personnel do had put together a great it's on the plus. phone as usual. I was giving him a hard time telling him he has a, a new uh, title. It's bouncer, just holding the door back from everybody who wants to come in. So yeah. uh, I told him that uh, recruiting is going to be a lot easier, and he's expecting a really good class. Uh, yeah. You know, to build off of uh, this past year. Um, Again, practice on Wednesday, practice on Friday, and then we've got a break. I'll be heading out tomorrow and heading down to Vegas for the Pac-12 basketball tournament, but we're not even going to go there with the basketball team, but stay tuned. I will be down in Vegas doing a ton of networking and finding out what's going on. And this weekend I will also be down. I will leave on Saturday, and I'll be down in Dallas at the Under Armour Next camp. So I've seen a lot of the Texas kids that UW is after. Yeah. Just a reminder, we've run a promo for those who are not premium subscribers, 50% off your annual subscription. Uh, and those who don't want to commit to the annual subscription, you can do the, um, the monthly at $9.95 a month. The $9.95 a month, you get full access after the seven-day waiting period to Paramount Plus, and there's a lot of good stuff on Paramount Plus right now. What's the deal on the half-off? Um, you won't get access to Paramount Plus until after your first promotional year. Yes. So yeah, if, if you're you getting do 50 that, 50% off for the year yeah, yeah you knew 50 percent for the year and then after the year you get paramount plus added on yeah so. and just remember paramount plus has gone up in price so it's a at even that more of an added value for yeah you. no lots of good stuff out there so um you know just nobody's going to cover it as much as in depth as dogman.com so just keep it here tell your friends as well so for all of us at dogman.com i'm kim grinnells along with chris fetters josh wadka and scott eklund <laughs> go dogs the chilling new original docuseries on Paramount Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean in a woman named Sylvie. She's a can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and fifteen thousand dollars a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession.
obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control Alt Desire, now streaming on Paramount+.